0: Get, 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 beautiful. Okay, so today's daf is daf Nun Beis. Page 52 in the Helege Meseches Ksubis. All right? And we pick up two lines from the bottom of Nun Beis, 51b. Two lines from the bottom. Says the Gemara. We're quoting the Mishnah. Our Mishnah gave a case on 51a, Nun Aleph Our Mishnah gave a case of a Kohen where he didn't write in his ksuba to his wife, that if you were to ever be captured, I will make sure you get back to your city. Now we know when you have the wife of a Yisrael, the wife of a regular Jew, so you write in the ksuba, you'll come back to me if you're ever taken into captivity. If it's the wife of a Kohen, you can't write, come back to me, because she becomes forbidden to her husband if she's ever taken into captivity, because we're assumed that somebody violated her and she becomes permitted to the Kohen. So, what does the Kohen, what is the Kohen husband obligated to do for his wife? Make sure she goes back to her family, make sure she goes back to her city. Let's say in the Ksuba, he doesn't write this responsibility. He doesn't write, if you're ever captured, I'll send you back, to, I'll pay. Ransom you to take you back to your and send you back to your city. Still, said the Mishnah, he's obligated to do so. This is a classic standard responsibility a husband, particularly a Kohen, has for his wife. Here we go. Says the Gemara, two lines from the bottom of Nunal of says, the Kohen Gadol, If you have a widow who's married to a Kohen Gadol, is that permitted? No. It's not permitted, but it's valid. So you have a Kohen Gadol, he's married to a widow, and now she's captured. Is he obligated to redeem her? Says Abaye. You better believe it. He's obligated to redeem her. Aye, they weren't allowed to be married in the first place. It don't matter. Because about her, I say, She falls under the category of a Kohen telling his wife, I'll send you back to your city. Meaning you'll be able to go back to your family. Okay? So... That's what should be written in her ksuba. Tapa izdaf, mamzeris, Let's have a Yisrael that's married to a Is that permitted? No. Is that valid, however? Yes, they are married. He's just forbidden to, to be with her. And now she's captured. Eino He's not obligated to redeem her from captivity. You know why? She because the wording in the ksuba of your return to me as a wife is improper. You hear it like this, is gishmak. Almana to a Kohen Gadol. Does it make sense the Kohen Gadol should send the almana back to her city? Yeah, that's where she belongs. You're not supposed to be married in the first place. So therefore, it should have said that in the Ksuba. Go back, so now ransom her and send her back to her town. However, a regular Yisrael who's, who's married to a Mamzeris where the Ksuba would say, you'll return to me if you're ever violated against your will, if you're ever taken into captivity. He can't say, oh, you'll come back to me as a wife. You know why? She's forbidden to him as a wife. And since in the Ksuba, the wording of the Ksuba, returning to me as a wife, is, in, is improper, because she's a mamzeress, over here, he would not be obligated to redeem her. That is the opinion of Abayi. Rabba Marabba says, any time, you have a woman who the captivity itself makes her forbidden to her husband. Okay, for example, a Kohen. Then Chayab of You're obligated to redeem her. You were permitted before she was taken to captivity. Now you're not. So you're obligated to redeem her. If the relationship between the husband and wife has a different prohibition standing in the way of them getting together... So according to this opinion, according to Rava's opinion, if you have a widow married to a coin gadol, is he obligated to redeem her? No, because there's a different prohibition not allowing them to be together. So Rava argues. Okay, so again, what do we have here? Clear-cut dispute. Abayi says that um, anytime the verbiage of the ksuba will be true, then you're obligated to redeem her. While Rava says, no, it just depends on whether you're allowed to be together. Says the Gemara Leymah Ketanoi. Let's say the dispute between and Rava is really sourced in previous generation. How so? Hamadir has ishtay A person who makes a neder on his wife. What's the neder? Rashi says, I will never receive benefit from my wife. I won't receive benefit from my wife. And guess what happens? She's taken into captivity. Rabbi Leezer Amr says, Payda v'naysin loksubasa. You're obligated to redeem her and pay her the k'suba. Okay, now why? She's obligated to redeem her because she's your wife. You have to pay her the k'suba because you're obligated to divorce her. You're not getting any benefit from her, so you got to get divorced. Rabbi Shua, says nice You give her the k'suba you're not obligated to a redeemer. I asked Paida, when Shua said this expression of the husband gives her the ksuba, but he doesn't redeem her, does that mean when he first made a vow prohibiting any sort of benefit and then she was captured? Or was she first captured and then he made the vow afterwards. Okay. I'm not sure the exact answer. I didn't hear the exact answer. The but it seems to me that it seems to me that when Allah was said, it was in a case where first the vow was made and afterward she was captured. The me she was captured first. So now it's going to come to trickery. Why it's going to come to trickery? Because he's trying to get himself out of redeeming her. That's it. So, oh, I get out of her demon that. Oh, I never got benefit. Never got benefit. He therefore, he says it just makes sense. I don't know exactly for sure, but it makes sense that first he made the vow and then she was taken into captivity. Now, says the Gemara, one second. My <laughs> love, it seems that this dispute is dealing with a case where a person. Um, is a Kohen, and he made a neder, he made a vow on his wife. He's not getting any benefit from her, that, uh, I'm sorry, that she's not going to get any benefit from him as uh, in a case of a, a wife of a Kohen. And Rebulazar says the halacha is like Reb And let's explain this. Reb says that a Kohen is not obligated to redeem, uh, to redeem his wife. Why? We're going to assume like Rava because it's a forbidden marriage. Okay? So Rava was one who says anytime you have a forbidden marriage, you're not obligated to redeem her. However, Abeliezer holds that a Kohen is obligated to redeem her because the neder, the vow that he made it does not get in the way of the tonight. Does not get in the way of this condition. It's a zaitikazach. It's a separate thing, and therefore she's going to remain forbidden to him. So that's how the Gemara wants to connect the two machleks. To which the Gemara responds: Lo, no, not necessarily. You can't connect the two. Hakamayaskina, What are we dealing with over here? We're dealing with the case where the wife made the neder. She made the neder. You're not going to get any benefit, and the husband established it. The husband says, oh, yeah, he's sticking his finger between her teeth. Meaning, taka, you're not going to get benefit. The wife is putting her own finger between her teeth. Meaning, she's the one who made the nether. She's going to have to uh, deal with the outcome of the nether, of the vow. Now, says the Gemara, Viter. If we say that she put her own finger between her teeth, meaning she's causing her own problem, Rabbi Yeshua taught us that she's still going to get her ksuba. He could give her the money of the ksuba, but he's not obligated to redeem her. One second. But ksuba may why is she going to get her ksuba if you're going to tell me she's causing her own problems? The Sioux, and furthermore, Omar Rabbi Nasan, says, Sha'altiya I asked Sumchis the following question. Kisha Umar Rabbi Yeshua, when Rabbi Yeshua taught us under this case, where a, where you have the case where they made the vow, there's not gonna be any benefit. Rabbi Yeshua says, no la ksuva, so He has to pay her the ksuba for the dissolution of the marriage because they can't benefit from each other so they need to get divorced. So you got to pay her the ksuba. But you don't need to pay to to redeem her. Is that when first they made a vow and then she was taken into captivity? And we say, you pay a ksuba but you don't need a redeemer. Oh, or... Bishen Nishbeis is the case where first she was captured, ulubisayfedira, and afterwards the nadr was made. He was unsure. Like, when do we say you don't need to redeem her? Is that only if the vow was made before the captivity? Or would it even be the same halacha if it came after the captivity? That was the question to Sumchis, the Amar. And Sumchis explained. Lo shamati, I'm not sh- I didn't hear exactly which circumstance, the ii nadara ihi, um, shamati, I didn't hear, the e nadara ihi, but one second, if she made the vow, she made the vow, there's not going to be benefit. So ask the Gemara, who cares if the vow was made before or after captivity? What's the difference if she was first taken into captivity and then the vow was made or if the vow was made and then taken into captivity. Either way, you don't need to pay because she's sticking her own finger between her teeth. The case needs to be where the husband made the nether. And under this circumstance, Abaye is consistent with his halacha and Rav is consistent with his halacha. And let's explain. Abaye is consistent Habai understands the brysa consistent with his own understanding. He says like this: Almana the kohen gadol. When you have a widow married to a kohen gadol. so it's a forbidden marriage, but a valid marriage. And now she's taken into captivity. So you have the widow of a kohen gadol who's taken into captivity. Kuli amale Everybody agrees. The chayav Leftaisa, He's obligated to redeem her. He's obligated to redeem her. Even though it's a forbidden marriage, you know what a valid marriage creates, an obligation to pay a ksuba and to write a ksuba where it says you're going to go back to your city. You're going to go back to your father's house. Okay? So it doesn't matter why you need to get divorced. The bottom line is, it's going to be a valid divorce. You're obligated to give a ksuba and you have to pay the redeemer. Mamzeres un is seen to Israel by a mamzeres and a nusin to Yisrael. In other words, you have a regular Jewish guy who marries a mamzeres And she's taken captive. Now usually a Yisrael writes in the Ksuba, I am accepting responsibility. If you're ever captured, I'll redeem you so you could come back to me. Can you write that to a mamzeris? No. Because what are you going to say? If you're captured, you're going to come back to me? She's not allowed to come back to you. She's mamzeris. So the whole wording that Yisroel writes in a regular Ksuba wouldn't work with this. You can't stipulate in a Ksuba to a Mamzeros, if you're ever captured, I'll redeem you so you can return to me. You can't stipulate that because she can't return to you. Now listen to this, ready? Again, if let's say an Almana married a Kohen Gadol, so what did a Kohen always write in the Ksuba? If you're captured, I'll send you back to your family. Because a Kohen can never take back his wife So they always wrote I'll send you back to your family Can, can a Kohen write to his almana I'll send you back to your family Yeah, you could Because that's where she belongs You shouldn't have married her So since that would have been the wording in the Ksuba If a widow does, of, an, of a Kohen does get captured a You have to pay her the Ksuba And you have to redeem her But if a Mamzaras Tui Yisrael gets captured Since the wording in that Ksuba would be You'd come back to me so you have no obligation to redeem her. You have no obligation to redeem her. Because you wouldn't have written, come back to me. It doesn't make any sense. So Everybody will agree, you don't have you're not obligated to redeem your Mamzara's wife. Now, Aisha's Kayanami, if let's say somebody makes a nether on the wife of a Kohen, Kuliyamalai pligi, Everybody's going to agree. He's obligated to redeem her. Why? Because again, what did a Kohen write to his wife? I'll send you back to your city. I'll send you back to your family. Okay. You could do that. They made a vow. It says in the Ksuba that when you redeem her, she goes back to her family. So she's going back to her family. That's great. That works out. Where's there? Ready for this? When there's a vow on the wife, of a Yisrael, of a regular Jew. Okay. Meaning, they make a vow that there's not going to be any benefit between them. Okay? So, says the Gemara, Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe says, you go back, you go back to the beginning. You go back to the beginning. What's the beginning? When you first got married, there was an obligation in the marriage to redeem your wife and therefore you have to keep that condition to redeem your wife whether or not a vow took place later for <speaking in Hebrew> B- bishu says no the bottom line is things changed there was a vow that made afterwards and therefore Bishua says you're not obligated to redeem your wife not obligated to ransom your wife that is abaye's approach that's how abaye understands where, where there's a dispute and where there's an agreement. To wrap up the sugya, says the Gemara to explain Rava, also Rava, Rava is consistent with his own reasoning as well. Okay? Now Rava said, it all depends on why you're forbidden to each other. So he says, When a widow marries a Kohen Gadol, also a Mamzeres in those cases, any time the couple was forbidden to be together in the first place, whether it's a, a widow to a Kohen Gadol, whether it's a divorcee to a Kohen, whether it's a Mamzeres to a Yisrael, everybody will agree, you do not need to ransom her. You do not need to redeem her. Okay? You don't need them. You're forbidden to be together. You weren't allowed to be married in the first place. That's it. Key pleadings. Where's the remachaliki says, Ravah? Bimadir. When a person made a neder, Bein Ashes Kayin, Bein Ashes Yisroel, whether it was Ashes Kayin or Ashes Yisrael, Rabbi Lazar Azal Basam Rabbi says you go back to the beginning, again, at the time that the original conditions were made, Rabbi Shua Azal Besayf. Rabbi Shua says you follow the end when all the conditions ultimately were carried out, everything was fulfilled. So the bottom line is, according to Rabbi Lazar, once the nether, you know, would, uh, came about later, made her usher, made her forbidden. Why did it become forbidden? Because they made a nether that we're not going to benefit from each other. The obligation to, re- to redeem her also falls off. You, you follow what, 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 what changed. You don't follow the original agreement. You follow what changed. There was a vow that happened afterwards. You're not going to benefit from each other. Fine. So now... You made a bet. That's it. You stuck your own finger between your teeth. You said your husband's not going to benefit. You're not going to benefit from your husband. You're not going to benefit. her. So he's not going to redeem you now. Shalom Aleichem. That's going to be Rava's approach to the machlekes. Okay. Two dots. Here we go. Brand new Gemara. Brand new Gemara. Here we go. The Mishnah said, "Nishbeis Chayav Liftaisa." If she was taken into captivity, the husband is obligated to redeem her. Okay. Says the Gemara. Tonu rabanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Nishbeish chayyav bala. I'm sorry. Nishbeish bechayyib bala. What happens if you have a woman who's taken into captivity? Her husband's alive and well. But what happens is the husband hears that she's taken into captivity and he has a heart attack. He drops dead. The achakach mes bala. Her husband dies. Okay. So now here's the deal. Hikir Bala, if the husband knew about her captivity, so he already has an immediate obligation to redeem her as soon as he finds out. Like in our case, he had a heart attack. He found out, he's like, boom, drops dead. So that's he knew what happened. Yarshan of liftaisa. So his estate is used to redeem her. If the husband knew, he has an obligation. So now that he's dead, his obligation remains. So the estate redeems her. Lo Hikir Ba'bala, let's say the husband never knew. Wife's taken into captivity for whatever reason, and then a guy kills him. Whatever. Guy drops dead. He never knew that he's obligated. Ain Yarshin Chayov Lev the inheritors are not obligated to redeem her. Now this is a major chiddish. Listen closely to what the Gemara is telling us. The Bryce is stating, the obligation of a husband to redeem a wife is not when she's taken into captivity. This is fascinating. You think as soon as she's captured, the husband's responsible. The Bryce is letting us know, a husband's only responsible when he knows. If he knows she's taken into captivity that's when the obligation starts. If he never knew, there's no obligation to redeem her. So if he drops dead, you're not obligated. Since he wasn't obligated, the children aren't obligated to use the estate to redeem her. Levi saw the member of Doki HaMas Nisa. So Levi thought this was halacha lemaisa. He thought this was practical halacha. It depends on what the husband knows. Rav, Rav said, lady, this is what Habibi taught me. Okay? Now, if you look at Rashi, bottom line in Rashi, Rashi says, who's Habibi? The word Habibi is my beloved one. It's Rebchia. Shu doi doi achi aviv. It's fascinating. It's, it's such an interesting thing. Where an uncle, his uncle was Rebchia. Uh, a dod means an uncle Adod also is the word for beloved. We're now in Resh El, right? Ani ledayi It's very interesting. A person's relationship with their husband, with their uncle, is a very loving. Type of, uh, type of relationship. Okay? so. we don't pass him like that. Mishnah, rather we pass like a different b'risa, which says, If she was captured and then her husband dies, then the orphans do not need a redeemer. Not only that, if she's redeemed while her husband's alive, and then he dies. Bottom line, you know what the halacha is? If the guy, whether the guy knew or didn't know, if he drops dead, the inheritors do not need to use their money to redeem her. You know why? So this goes back to how we started out today's death. Your, a husband's obligated to redeem her because of what it says in the Ksuba. What does a husband write in the Ksuba? If you're ever captured, I'll redeem you to return to me as a wife. If he's dead, is she returning to him as a wife? No, the marriage is over. So as long as there's no verbiage that still exists in practicality of returning to me as a wife, the bride of Paskins, there's no obligation for the estate to redeem her. Okay, so according to this, the Gemara seems to be uh, letting us know that it's not dependent on when he knows. It's just dependent on is he alive or not alive. If he's alive, he has to redeem her. If he's not alive, the estate does not need to redeem her again. Because she's not returning to him as a wife. Tanur the rabbis learned, and that's why they are rabbis. Nishpes, if let's say a woman is taken into captivity, so here's what happens. Those who took the, the woman, the wife, into captivity, they asked for a lot of money. Okay? What they asked for, 10 times her value. So let's say if this woman were to be sold, as a maid or whatever, right? Somebody would be willing to pay $5,000. So you have a guy whose wife is captured. And those who captured her said, we want $50,000. 10 times what the value would be on the on the slave market. So Pamri Shaina Padeh. If this is the first time that she was taken into captivity, you have to pay it. You got to pay it up to ten times her value. Mikan ve'elach, but once you did that once, Ratzah poyde, Ratzah eno Okay, meaning the obligation in a is to redeem. When it says you, you, you're obligated to redeem your wife from captivity. That's a one time thing, one time. All right. If let's say she's captured twice. The second time he's not he's not obligated to. If he wants to, he could. Doesn't want to. He doesn't have to. Rav Shingam Yolemer, Rav Shingam Liel says, "Top of Amud Beis, Ain Paida Nes Ashuvim Yaser Al Kedei Demaya Mipnei Tikun Olam." He says, "No, you never. A Jew should never redeem another Jew from captivity above their value." You know why? Mipnei Tikun Olam. What's tikkun ilam You're hurting future situations. If you're willing to have kaviyachol, so to speak, a prisoner swap, where you're giving far more to the captors than their value that's there, so they're just going to do it again. Very nice, you want your wife back, you care so much about your family, that's true. The problem is, if you do this, they're going to keep doing this to Yiddish women. So therefore he says, and that in on, on behalf of Gamil says, on behalf of Klaus Yisrael, he's not necessarily arguing on uh, maybe he holds you would redeem multiple times, but he says you shouldn't pay above the above what a regular person would be sold for, which which seems to be if it's at their value, you do redeem them, even if it's going to be more than the ksuba, okay, meaning if let's say. Her, she's a basula so her ksuba is 200 zuz those who captured her want 500 zuz it seems if that's the value on the market even if it's more than the xuba you got to pay that if that's what they're asking for more you don't but if that's what they're asking for you do pay that even though it's not value of the ksuba fine that's the assumption that's the deal right agree that diok again the diok is as long as long as you're paying the value you're fine it's not dependent on the value of the ksuba it depends on the value of the market. says the Gemara, is that true? V'ramini, Alaskan contradiction. Nishbeis, if a woman is taken into captivity, v'yimeh v'akshimehu arasara b'ksuvasa, and they want ten times her worth, pamri shayna paydeha, first time, you give it. Bikan v'eilach, after that, ratza payde, ratza ina payde, r'shimyo v'yimeh ram hayyad pirkainam, k'suvasa paydeha, v'shimyo this is a change in his opinion. Now we're quoting him to say, It depends. If we're asking her to, him to redeem her according to the value of the k'suba, you need to do that. im If it's not value of the k'suba, He's not obligated to redeem her. So you see, in one place, according to to say it depends on her value in the market. Here, if seems to say it depends on the value of the k'suba, you're not obligated to pay more than the value of the k'suba. Which one is it? it says the Gemara, if Shmuel Trey kule isle, if Shmuel. Holds of two coolest two leniencies, which is, he says like this. He says, first of all, first of all, um, if the captors are ever asking for above the value on the market, you never need to pay, even if it's the first time. Okay? Secondly, you also don't need to pay if it's more than the Ksuba. So Shigamil is letting us know that you actually could be lenient on one of two numbers. If the Ksuba is 200 Zuz, but she would be sold for 500 Zuz, you only need to pay up to 200. Now, because of Tikkun ilam, you're not allowed to pay more than 500 he But you could pay up to 500 if that's her value. What's your obligation? The lesser of the two. Either the value on the market or the value of the Ksuba. Okay, period. Two dots. That's the clarification of Rav Sheming Amliel's opinion. Next, we said in the Mishnah, if you have a wife who becomes ill, who becomes sick, the husband is obligated to take care of her medical bills. Okay? It's obligated to take care of her medical bills. He's got to make sure she's healed. A widow, a guy passes away, leaves behind a widow, So the inheritors of her husband's estate are obligated to use the money to uh, give her food. And they also need to pay for health insurance. They need to pay for medical bills. It's like the same as food. Okay? You need to eat, you need to be healthy. So their state needs to take care of her as well. Rav Shingwil says, Rufua If it's a type of healing, that has a price tag. Okay? You go to a doctor, it's $150 a visit. That type of thing, their state pays. Nisrapas, um, kitzvah, nisrapas ksuvasa. So then... I'm sorry, instead of using the estate, if there's a set amount, we could tell her, use your ksuba money. Use your ksuba money. Your husband dies, use your ksuba money. However, if there's no set amount, she comes down with an extreme illness, she has ongoing help that's needed, she's on disability, chveis, whatever it is, there's no set amount, then you don't say, go to your ksuba till it's used up. No. Then harehi kim That's called food, That's like your regular sustenance You should know that bloodletting Which was done for health That was done for like prevent uh, To prevent illnesses That is considered something That is Something that has no uh, Set amount And you would be obligated to use the estate To take care of her Okay, Meaning something that's expected In order to keep up somebody's health A physical, whatever it is so also, that certainly the estate needs to be used. Rabbi Yechanan had relatives. where Their relatives had a widow who needed constant medication, we'll call it. Also, they came to and they asked him, we have this woman. She needs constant medication. costs a lot of money. Who's obligated to pay for this? Omar Lahu, Azilu uh mide go and set up a payment, l'raifei, with a doctor. In other words, he's advising him. He says like this. Right now, she needs help. So there's no for There's no set amount. So I'll tell you what you could do in order to make it that the estate doesn't need to cover it. And her own ksuba covers it. And that is, get her a set doctor who's going to charge a set amount. And now you could put on the ksuba. And Rabbi Echanan said, we made ourselves like Arche Hadayonim. Which, which Rashi explains here to mean, Rabbi Echanan regretted it afterwards. And he says that, you know, I shouldn't have... Given them this advice. It was wrong of me to tell them how the medical, you know, costs could be more advantageous to them than her. It was wrong of me to do such a thing. Why? Says the Gemara, what did Rebicham think first and then afterwards? Like What changed? So the Gemara says, originally he thought, you got to take care of your family first. And his family, they were now left with the problem of supporting this widow. It was going to cost a lot of money for them. He, got he says, you got to take care of your family. I got, to, I got to give them advice that's structured to their benefit. You got to take care. But then he said, you know what? Somebody in a position like myself who's an Adam Chashev, somebody who's so knowledgeable and knows a little more than everybody else kind of, is different, meaning I, I, I shouldn't have gotten, I, I should have just let things just just uh, play out over here. You know, without, I, when they came to me, I should have just said, go to somebody else to try to figure this out. I shouldn't have really have, uh, have uh, gotten involved. Okay, fine. Says the Mishnah, third wide line on Nun Beis, Omud Beis. We're continuing now to go through a Ksuba and a husband's responsibility to the wife. If he does not write, children that you have will inherit the money of your k'suva more than their brothers, he's still obligated to give that, Bezdin, because this is an obligation of Bezden. Okay. Now what's this talking about? This is fascinating. Ready for this? Here we go. A husband writes to a wife, I'm going to give you a ksuba of $30,000. Okay. Now. He dies. He leaves behind the ksuba. Okay. Um, very often Within the financial arrangement The wife also comes into the marriage with property Not very often Sometimes Sometimes Can come into the marriage with property Okay So she comes in with Nechzei Malug We call it Or Nechzei Tzayim Barzel Okay So Every, if they die, everything ultimately goes to the general estate. Now who's going to inherit the general estate? All of his male children. Alright? The Chachamim said as follows. If you have a guy who had three wives, by the time he dies, he had three wives. Some of these wives came into the marriage with land. They died, he inherited. Now he dies. See, here's the problem. If he has, let's say, two sons from each of the wives, it's not, the Chacham said it's not fair, it's not nice that the property of the wife number one should be divided amongst all six children. It's only right that it's the two sons that she had with her husband should be the ones to get her property. Get it? Now it's, all the children inherit the father, you know, together, he's divided equally. But the Chum instituted that if a mother brought something into the marriage, it should go exclusively to her children. All right? So the Mishnah says, if he did not write this as a stipulation, it happens anyway. That's the first halacha of the Mishnah, right? He didn't write that, oh, only to the wife, only your children will inherit your property. Still, that's what happens. Fine. So, T'nai Bezden, that's the condition of Bezden. Fine. Benan. now, what else does it usually say in Aksuba? Benan nan Nukvan, lechi Minai, any girls that we have together, he writes to his wife in Any girls, any girl children that we have together, Yahavion Yosvan shall live in my house, and they will eat from my property. Now, usually he, you write this in Exuba. Huh? Call your mind. Yeah. Yeah, you see where I am? You see where I am? Where are you? Yavon Yosvan Bebesi Umitzeno Ad? You see where I am? Ad? You called Yomai though, doesn't say to No, that's the next line. I think you just, you jumped a line ahead. Move up a line. Ad the Yeah, you see, we're one line above that, yeah? So he says, Until they're taken by a man. I see where you are, you're just one line ahead of me. So he says, any girl children that we have will live in my house until they get married. Chayav. The halacha, even if you didn't write this, you're still obligated to do that. You know why? Shahu Tanai Bezdin. Because Tanai Bezdin is a condition of Bezdin. Condition of Bezdin. Bezdin made a condition. Remember, we learned this previously. Even if, even if in a father's lifetime he could choose to not give his daughters, once he's dead, it doesn't matter. We give it. We allow his estate to support his children. Sichayef, Shu Tanai Bezdin. Okay. Next case. At tehei yosva babesi. He says to his wife, you, or he's supposed to write to his wife, you will live in my house. Um and you will eat minachasai from my property. Kol yomai meger almun, uh, All of the days that you live as a widow in my household. See, he didn't write that. Now usually a husband writes his wife niksuba. as long as you're alive, you could live in my house, living off of my estate. Let's say he didn't write this. Allowing the wife to live off his estate in his house. Chayav. anyway, she gets it. Sh'tuhutnai bezdin. That's a condition of Bezden. Bezden established. A husband dies, the wife could continue living in his house. Okay. Kach hoyu anshe Yerushalayim kaysvim. And you should know that the men of Yerushalayim, they would write this in uh, in they would write the the um, in their ksubas. They would write the, they would write in their ksuba. Anshe Galil hayu kaisven kanchi and the men of the Galil would write like the people of Yerushalayim. Anshe Yehuda hayu but the people of Yehuda would write, In their ksuba, they wrote as follows. See, the other places they, they wrote in the ksuba, the wife keeps living in the home and being fed by the estate. In Yehuda, what they would write is to their wives, you, if I die, you can live in my house and live off my estate until my estate pays you the ksuba. But once you get a ksuba, you no longer have rights. Lefikach, therefore, yarshim. If the inheritors want they could give the widow her ksuba, and say, "Have a nice day. Have a nice day. You got your ksuba. That's what our father. Uh, that's what our father uh, wrote to you. But have a nice day." All right, that's how it worked in Yehuda. Doesn't seem so nice to, to do such a thing, but that was a change in the. Huh? Better not publicize it. Well, or, or tell people not to get. Women maybe don't want to marry men from Yehuda so fast. That's it. <laughs> All right, we'll get into this. We'll get into this. Okay, we got some uh, fascinating Gemara. We have a couple of stories over here. Says the Gemara. Here we go. Why did the Chachamim create a Ksubas bin Indichrin? Ksubas bin means anything that a woman brings into marriage, her own sons are exclusively going to be the ones to inherit her. The reason why we did it is so that a person will willingly give money to his daughter to help her get married. Okay? this is it says I'll tell you why we want girls we want the father of young Jewish girls to be very generous with their daughters in what they're giving because they know that anything they give their daughters are going to stick within the family her sons are exclusively going to be the ones to inherit her even if the husband has other sons so they know people are willing to make investments for their own later generations so that's right why they institute the bin Dihra. Is there such a thing that can argue on the Tarah? Meaning the Torah says that something is gonna the the son gets it, the daughter doesn't get it. And now the Chacham are coming along and say, and, and changing what the changing what the Tara says? They're going to say, "Oh, one second. I know the Torah says that sons inherit, but you should know if a woman came into a marriage with land, and she had girls, the other sons of her husband aren't going to inherit the land. Instead, her own daughters are going, to, her own descendants are going to stick with it. The Torah says the the, the sons inherit the father. How could the Rabbanan circumvent that? Says the Gemara. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Hanami see. We find such a source for this in the Torah as well. Take wives, have sons, and daughters. And take for your sons wives. when say, but when say for your daughters. They should uh, have husbands. It makes sense why you have a father marrying off a son. Yeah, you hope your son get married off. How could a father be in charge of marrying off his daughters? You don't know if there's going to be any takers. How everybody wants to marry your daughter? How could the Torah say, go marry off your daughter? You know what every guy's going to say? I don't like her. I'm not interested. You can't, the Torah can't obligate me to do something that's totally out of my control. Says the Gemara, Hakam You know what the Torah is teaching me over here? The Naubisha, a father should dress his daughter. The Nichnissa and bring her in meaning take care of her the nasiv lemidi and give her something kihi de kofsi allah so that men are going to jump to her they're going to be interested in her the asu nasbilah and they'll come to marry her so you see in the Torah, it's hinting to us that parents should take care of their daughters it's their biblical responsibility to take care of their daughter to make sure that there's going to be uh, eligible suitors for the daughter. Now, obviously, this is not a source uh, to tell me that you have a to do this for your kids. It's letting us know, though, that when fathers of a daughter show up to get her married off, there, there there's enough in on this to say, you know what, whatever it's going to take, we're not forcing it, but uh whatever's going to take, help her get married, but ultimately, to keep it within the family, any sort of inheritance, that certainly is allowed. Says the Gemara, by the way, says the Gemara, how much money should a person give to their children, give to their daughters specifically, to help them get married? How much should you give? Ad Up to 10% of your Nachasim, up to 10% of one's property. Okay? Interesting, is that for, interesting is that number, huh? Any parent should be willing to commit up to ten percent of what they have to help commit so their daughter could get married. A daughter, a daughter. Yeah, any daughter that they have, correct? Okay, fine. Says the Gemara. Are we going to say that the sons inherit the father, but they don't inherit the husband? Okay, meaning if it's their, uh, um, they're not going to inherit the obligation of their mother's husband. So they're not like, we'll call it their, uh, their stepfather. All right. So the Gevari here is asking a very interesting question. We just said that parents, that parents should make sure that their daughters have enough so that they'll be eligible suitors to get married. Okay. Now, that money, though, that the woman's coming into the marriage with remains hers because she's bringing it in. It remains hers throughout the marriage. Now, if she's ever divorced, it goes back to her. If her husband dies, it goes back to her. What if she dies first. So really the husband's going to inherit her. And then if he dies, all of his inheritors will get that money. Which the Chacham said we don't want to happen. Because she's barred to marriage. So not all of it, only her children will be the one, uh, only her children should be the ones to to inherit her. So when it says, Ve'ima, what, let's read this again. Um Why don't we say that Da'av Le'reis that they inherit the father, their grandfather, but the Baal, they don't inherit the husband. So Yomar says that's not possible, because Imkain of Nami, Mimnov of So then you're, you're, you're going to have a case as well where a father is not going to give money to his daughter. Why? Because he's going to say, listen, if the husband is going to exclude my children from his property, so uh, I have less skin in the game. Let's explain the question and the answer. The question is, maybe the children of the mother inherit the mother exclusively, but they, if, you were to, if you're going to inherit your mother exclusively, maybe you shouldn't even get a part in the father's estate. To which the Gemara... You understand? Shall I explain this? Okay, fine. Reuven had three wives. At different times, we'll say whatever. We're three wives. Rachel came into the marriage with a lot of jewelry. Okay. Rachel dies. Then Ruven dies. Who's going to get Rachel's jewelry? Rachel's children, not the children of the other wives. The Gemara says, "Okay, let's say Rachel's children get her jewelry." Why don't we say that since you're getting her jewelry, you should not receive a portion of your regular father's estate. Remember, their father died. That's why they're getting the jewelry. So very nice you're getting the jewelry from the mother. But now that you're getting that, maybe you should lose out on some of the other inheritance. To which the Gemara answers no. Because if... Rachel's R- father at the time of her, that he gave her the jewelry would know that this jewelry is going to take the place of other parts of inheritance, that's not, gonna, that's not going to um, inspire him to give much to his daughter to help her get married either. Because he wants it to be that you know, his Enoch are both going to get equal from whoever their father is, plus his wife's jewelry, plus, plus the, the daughter's jewelry. Okay, that's the math. The husband we're using right now. Okay, it says the Gemara. The ema hecha the av Why don't we say that whenever there's jewelry coming in with the husband? So the husband should write in the ksuba that the children inherit the ksuba. Hecha the av leilichtayv bal. But let's say no money came in, the husband does not write it. In other words, we said like this, in every ksuba, a husband writes to the wife, anything that you brought in will go exclusively to your children. Ask the Gemara, does this apply only when she brought things in? Or is this just like a, a, or is this part of the, nat, the regular template of a ksuba, whether or not she brought something in? Do you always write it? Or sometimes? Sumara says, no, light plug, Rabbanu. Rabbanu made a light plug. Okay? Meaning, there's always this condition. You write this condition into every ksuba. Ask the Gemara, Baspein Abbanam Nami Teres. So, why don't we say that a daughter should also inherit amongst the sons? Okay? Meaning, that if we want so much that the grandfather gives a dowry to his daughter, gives jewelry to his daughter to bring into the marriage, okay? So, why don't we say that the daughters inherit the dowry the same as the sons? Yeah, you should write that in. Gemara says, The Rabbanon wanted to make the inheritance of the dowry, of the jewelry that's brought in, same as inheritance. It goes through the boys. Say, Gemara, fine ben But let's say there's only girls, so write that in to the Ksuba. Just keep in mind over here, all these questions are really getting into just the verbiage of how we're writing the Ksuba. We're just asking, why won't you write the Ksuba a little different? Write that it goes to the daughters. Kumar says again, plug, uh, plug, we didn't want to change. I have a Tigbe We should allow whatever came in you know, with the mother's property to be included in in uh, that inheritance as well, why is it only true on real property? Allowed it even on movable property? The Gemara says Kixuba They want to want to make the ability to inherit the Nichseitz Barzel, right? The, the I'm sorry, Nechasim the the property that gets inherited. They want to make it the, the same as the Ksuba. In the same way, a Ksuba is collected like a lien. Which is only on land, it's only on real estate. This also is collected from real estate. It says the Gemara, Titroif Let them grab it from any sort of Shibudim, any other uh, liens that are on the property. Gemara says, Yartun It's connected to inheritance. Okay? And therefore, the same way we learned the other day, that when it comes to inheritance, if the children have a right to uh, collect from the ksuba and one of the lands were sold to somebody and then you have unsold property, you have to go first to the unsold property. You can't take it away from a land that your father sold. So the same is gonna apply here. Mysar dinner. Why don't we say that they take from the ksuba even if you don't have the Mysar dinner, the, the extra dinner that's the, the dinar uh, coin that is included in the ksuba. Okay? So Gemara is asking that why is it that you can only go and grab uh, grab the ksuba after if it's worth if it's worth at least a dinner. If it's worth at least a dinner. Okay? If it's worth less than a dinner. Then every ksuba that's owned is done, is done separately and everybody's going to divide it equally. So, Gemara says, Again, we're just asking on the expression of the ksuba, why you don't write it in there. So, Gemara says, Over here, it's going to get in the way of, in, of uh, inheriting something biblically. So, didn't want to make a takana because usually, besides for the bachar, besides for the firstborn, everything else gets, uh, gets split up equally. Okay? So over here, where it's not going to be exactly Dubai like that, the Rabbana didn't want to, uh, didn't want to make a statement or or change that. Let's just wrap up with a story. Rafapa Yassik uh Rabbi Abba was um, Rabbi Abba's son was getting married to the family. Rabpapa's son was getting married to the son, was getting married to the family. Of Abba. From the city of Surah. Okay. Shama Yehuda. Azil lemichtav lo'aksub So. He went. Rav Papa went. To put together a ksuba. Okay. Let's put together a ksuba. Now what ksuba was he putting together? So Rashi says. That he went to Abba. To see what Abba was going to add to the ksuba your daughter's now going to be marrying our fa- our, the son from our family, we want to know how to write the Ksuba. What are you bringing in? What's your daughter bringing into the marriage that we should mention in the Ksuba is going to go to her, exclusively to her children. Shoma Yehuda bar Maremar, Yehuda bar Maremar heard, Nafak also Khazile. So Yehuda bar Maremar came and he, he walked to him, he when he came to the entrance. Mine. He wanted to leave, so he came to shmooze with uh, Rav Papa and learning or whatever. He had a question for him, and now it was time to leave. So he wanted to leave Rav Papa. So Rav Papa says to him, Neol mar bahadoi. come up, my master Bahadoi, with me. Meaning, I want you to come with me to the Mechutan's uh, house. Much going to McCotton's house, top of tomorrow's daf. Chazye deloy have a and he saw that he didn't want to go with him. He, didn't, he asked him to go with him. He says he didn't didn't want to go with him. Lay, he says to my datech, what's bothering you? What's on your mind? What's bothering you? of Is it because Shmuel said to Yehuda, be bura You shouldn't be at a place where a. Um, a uh, money is moving from one family to another family. Meaning, are you concerned? This is fascinating. Are you concerned that if you're there, and we ever get into a dispute, we're going to call on you to see what the agreement is? Maybe to testify about something, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get involved. You should know. Even if a Inheritance is going from a, a bad kid to a good kid. my zara Where you don't know ultimately what sort of descendants are coming out, right? Sometimes you can have a, a kid who's not a good kid, but he's got beautiful children. The grandchildren are great. So they you have a kid who's great and his kids are Rishon. So how much more so when you're uh, going from a, uh, a son to a daughter? In other words, he's saying like this. He's saying like, you just want to stay out of it. You don't want to be involved. You don't want to have to ever have to testify. You don't want to have it on your shoulders that you're uh, the the money's moving from place to place because of your testimony, and maybe it's going to end up in the wrong hands. Let me tell you something. Nami, This is a So I'm going to the mechutan's house to see what sort of dowry they're willing to put in the ksuba for the daughter, and you should come with me. You should be there. All right? You should be there. What's the problem? What's the problem? So Amarle, he says to him, He says, you're right. However, that would be true when... Everybody is in agreement on what should be given. But the problem here is, I feel that by you, Rav Papa, showing up to the Mechutin's house to find out what he's giving his daughter, he's going to feel pressure to write certain things in the Ksuba and be a little more generous. Maybe he doesn't want to be. I just don't want to be that. I'm uncomfortable. I, I just don't feel this is like fair game. Omar Marley. Did I say you should come with me and we're going to force him? No. I want you to come with me to have a conversation. Omar She says to him, My lady He says, no, no, no. When we show up, he's going to feel pressure to add to the Ksuva, I don't want to do that. I don't want to come with you. Bottom line is, let's just wrap up the story. We're going a little further than I thought we'd go, but let's just end the story. It's a very interesting story. It says the Gemara, ultimately, Rav Papa, you know, got Rabbi Yehuda to join him. Ishtik v'yosef, so Yehuda came in, but he sat quietly the whole time. Sovarahu mer'sach ro'sach. So, um, the so the mechutin thought that Yehuda sat there quietly because he wasn't so. Um, excited about the amount that was written. He felt the Machutin thought Yehuda was there, that Yehuda was quiet not to put pressure. But the Machutin thought he was quiet because he wasn't being generous enough. He wasn't saying, ooh, ah, Mamish, ooh, ah, Mamish, yeah. So, mamish, uh, you know. So, diavle. So the Machutin wrote in the dowry his entire possession, everything that he owned, more than he could afford. At the end, Omar lay, hashtanami He says, He gave everything over, and he's done. He's like, He says, He turns to Yehud, He says, You're still quiet. You're not ooing and eyeing. Yeah. You're not impressed with my generosity. He says, What else do you want me to give? I just gave my entire bank account. I, I can't offer anything else. I swear I have nothing else to give. You hear this? So Omar Lay, so Yehuda responded to him. He says, E Minoi D if it was up to me, de Yeah? You should know your, you know, what you wrote at first, I I I wasn't comfortable with you giving anything. I wasn't comfortable with you giving anything. I didn't want I didn't feel you had to give anything. Okay? Omar she says to him, he says, I only did all that because you're here and I thought this is what I was supposed to do. But now you're telling me your silence was really nothing to do with that. I don't want to write over all my possessions over here. Am I able to back out? Omar he says to him, he says, a man's as good as his word. And even though you didn't realize this at the time, you could back out if you want, but I'm just letting you know, I don't think it's proper. I don't think it's proper. You gave your word on it. You went with it. I I would recommend keeping your promise. But outside, but uh, to back, but to back out of it. Ultimately, it turns out. What's the message of the story? Be very careful. Very even to show up and say nothing. You never know what's going on in somebody else's mind. You have to be very careful in every situation that we put ourselves to try to be as clear as possible over what uh, what the message is. Okay, we'll hold it here for this evening. measurement tomorrow we'll pick up at nine thirty a.m. We've already got a very strong head start uh, onto tomorrow's daf, which is not that long. So we'll hold it here for this evening. A good tavach everybody.